Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our gospel reading today, as was said earlier, is really a continuation of last week's gospel reading. And so the sermon today is also kind of a continuation of what Pastor Copen talked about last week. If you remember in the gospel reading last week, it was all about Jesus's identity. Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? And obviously the response Jesus was going for was not simply, what is my name, but but who am I really? Why am I important? Why am I significant? Why do you call me rabbi? Why are you my disciples? And the answer to that question was, was said by Peter, and he got that answer 100% correct. Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus did commend Peter for that answer, but he also told Peter and the rest of the disciples, that that answer didn't come from himself. That answer came through the revelation of God, that it was the Holy Spirit that brought that answer to Peter because that was not the answer of human wisdom. It was the answer of faith that Peter and the rest of the disciples were able to see Jesus for who he was, to interpret all of the signs that Jesus had performed, and to say, this is really who you are. You are God's deliverer. You are our Savior. And Jesus showed that he was just that in his life. But today, our gospel reading it hinges not just on properly identifying Jesus, but on properly identifying ourselves. For if Jesus is the Christ, then all of us who follow him are Christians. Well, what does that mean? To a lot of people today, what it means to be a Christian it could mean any number of things. It might mean you're just a good person. It means you try to do the right thing. It means you're a person of love. It might mean that you read your Bible, or you pray, or you are in church. And while all of those answers might have a little bit of truth to them, Jesus shows himself as the one who truly defines what a Christian is. If you had a problem with your car, who would you go to to figure out what was wrong? Now, you might have a friend or a family member who might know a lot about cars, but, but ultimately, you probably would end up at a mechanic because that person would be able to tell you what's going on. Or if you have something wrong with your body, you, you feel that something is going on with your health, what are you going to do? Now, you could Google the symptoms, but I don't really recommend that. Instead, the best thing to do is to go to your doctor. And your doctor, a medical professional, will be able to tell you what's going on. Finally, if you have a legal issue, who are you going to consult for advice? You're going to go to a lawyer. And so, for all of us, as we kind of are wrestling with what does it mean to be a Christian, is there any better person to go to than Jesus himself? For he is the one who defines what it is to truly be a Christian. And he gives us that answer today. 
Jesus says, anyone who would come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. This is what it means to be a Christian. This should be our motto for all of our lives as his disciples. But as we listen to Jesus' response, it says something, not just about ourselves, but also about him, that his identity as Christ and our identity as Christians are closely intermingled. And with that comes one really important piece, the cross. See, you cannot know who Christ is without the cross. And you cannot be a Christian, you cannot understand what our life must look like without the cross. Jesus made that clear to his disciples. Even though Peter properly identified Jesus as the Christ, Peter didn't know fully what that meant. Because as Jesus went on and told his disciples that as the Christ, he must go to Jerusalem and there he would suffer, die, and rise again on the third day. Having said that, Peter and the rest of the disciples were taken aback. They were confused because this didn't sound like what the Christ was supposed to do. If Jesus was the son of the living God, why should he suffer and die? And so Peter took Jesus aside and said, No, no, far be it for this to happen to you. Over my dead body will you suffer and die. But Jesus wasn't giving his disciples options. He was telling them, This must happen. This is who I am and this is what I must do. Peter probably didn't want to see any of those things happen to Jesus because he loved him. But also, perhaps, at the back of Peter's mind was the thought that if this is what is to happen to Jesus, then what must I, as Jesus' Jesus's own disciple, suffer? What must happen to me? If Jesus is going to his suffering and death, then those same things are going to happen to me, and I don't want that to happen. Peter was questioning the role of the cross, not just in Jesus's life, but also in his own. But just as that cross was necessary for Jesus, so the same cross would be necessary for each and every one of us. Martin Luther put it this way. He said, he who is not a Christian is not a Christian. Martin Luther was expressing that truth that the cross is so central to who we are that without it, we cannot be a Christian. But what does that cross mean? What does that look like in our lives? When Jesus says, he who would come after me must deny himself and take up his cross. Well, people in his day knew what that meant. We today think about suffering, that the cross and suffering go hand in hand. And while that's true, that's not all of it. See, the cross probably will entail suffering, but the cross is not for the sole purpose of suffering. There's something more to it. The cross was in the first century known as a very cruel and unusual means of execution. 
the cross was to bring about death. And so as we think about the cross and what it means for us, it might mean suffering, but it undoubtedly will mean death. That might give us pause and say, wait a second, now I understand why Peter didn't want this to be a part of Jesus's life, why he didn't want it to be a part of my own life. But if that's where you're at, then you are guilty of the same problem that afflicted Peter. See, Jesus said that he must go to Jerusalem and there he would suffer, die, and rise again on the third day. Peter's response made it seem as though he didn't even hear that last part. He was so overwhelmed that he stopped listening. And so for you, the same might also be true. That if the cross is to be central in our life, it does mean death. It means our death. But that's not all it means. The cross is for us also our life. When Jesus would talk about the cross, when he would talk about what he was going to suffer, he always stated with that that he would also rise again. That central to the cross is not just suffering and death, but connected to it is what happens on the third day. Even though these things are separated by days, to Jesus, they're all one and the same event. See, Jesus' death didn't have to happen. Jesus was the Son of God. He should not die, but Jesus would die. Why? Because he was taking our sins, the sins of the whole world, upon himself. And Jesus' resurrection, his coming back to life, it didn't just mean that Jesus was more powerful than death, though he was. It didn't just mean that he was more powerful than the devil, though he is, it meant that sin was completely done away with. Because without sin, there is no death. And Jesus suffered and died for our sins. Jesus paid the full penalty there on the cross. And once our sins were gone, were put away, so also was death. Then it became necessary. Then it became inevitable that the only thing left for Jesus to do was to rise again. But Jesus's resurrection means something for us as well. Just as Jesus's cross, his death means something for us, so does the resurrection. We can talk about our death and how it is connected to the cross, but there is also life that happens. We might talk about it this way. In your baptism, you were put to death. You were joined with Jesus and joined with him in his death on the cross, but you were also joined with that same Jesus who on the third day rose again. And so as you are joined with Jesus in your baptism, you're joined not just to his death, but also to his resurrection. You see, the cross for you does not just mean suffering and death, it also means your life. The cross is connected to Jesus's whole life, and therefore it is also connected to your whole life. Jesus in his ministry, 
He did not just come to heal people. He did not just come to perform miracles. He was not born into this world simply to live and to teach. Jesus came into this world to suffer, die, and rise again on the third day. The cross was central to Jesus' whole life. It was the whole purpose why he came. So you cannot understand Jesus without the cross, because the cross was always the central thing in Jesus' life. It must also be the central thing in our life. See, for a lot of people, there might be a lot of things that they think define them. You know what? Who you are and where, you fr- where you're from, your birth certificate, that does not tell you the most important thing about you. Rather, another certificate does. It's your baptismal certificate. It tells you that you are a citizen of heaven, that you are God's precious son or daughter. See, once we know that reality, our whole perspective changes. To live by the cross means that the cross defines everything in our life, that it shapes who we are. We start to realize that we can never bow down to any kings of this world because there is only one king that we must kneel before, and that is the king of kings, our Lord and our Savior. If we live our life by the cross, then we realize that the most important things for us to hear is not the praise of others. It is not the praise of men. Rather, the most comforting words are the sweet and tender words of our Good Shepherd. And that's something that I know a lot of you really need to hear right now because you're struggling. You're struggling to know if you're doing enough, if you're following all of the rules correctly. And you might be living by one person's standards, but are you living by the right standards? In the end, None of those other standards, none of those other voices matter. The only voice that matters is your Savior. And he says, I am with you. I love you. I died for you. See, the cross shapes who we are. It changes our perceptions. It changes how we live our lives. We start to understand that that even though in our world today, love has become the most popular word and nobody could stand against love, that they don't understand what real love looks like. It looks like the cross. It looks like our Savior. The truest form of love is the love that is shown by us in Jesus that ultimately leads to forgiveness. See, for you and me, maybe the most powerful words that we could say to another person are not, I love you, but I forgive you. Because we know that we are forgiven because of what Jesus has done. Or maybe you heard those words that Paul said, in our epistle reading today. Maybe you struggle with them, that Paul teaches us what that life of living by the cross looks like. And it's hard and it's difficult. After all, is it easy for us to pray for our enemies, to bless those who persecute you, to practice hospitality, to give generously? 
the list goes on and on. And as you hear those things, you might say, I don't think I do those things, Pastor. And once again, we're thrown off. Because if what you think in your mind to be a Christian means to live the perfect life or to do just enough, then when you hear that epistle reading, you'll be crushed. You'll think, I can't do that. It, it, it isn't in me. But if you are a disciple of Jesus, if you heed his words, if you are defined by his words, what did he say a Christian was? If you want to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. The cross that Jesus talks about, it is not our own cross, but it is that cross that Jesus gives to us. It is his cross. And in his cross is forgiveness. In his cross is mercy and grace. In Jesus's cross is the strength that we have that is not ours alone. Jesus gives us his gifts so that more and more as we struggle against our own desires, as we struggle against the expectations of others, we can live that kind of life. And though the struggles don't go away in this world, as long as we are in this world of sin and darkness, Jesus promises us resurrection. Jesus promises us that new life, that life that has no end, that life in his kingdom. Because if we are his disciples, we follow him. And Jesus has gone to prepare that place for us. And Jesus has promised that he will come to take us home. To be a Christian, it's not to be perfect. You're going to struggle. You're going to suffer. You are going to know death. But may you know the suffering and the death that come through the cross. Because then, and only then, will you know the life that also comes through that cross. It's a life that he gives us today, but it's a life that has no end. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Jesus, who is your Lord and risen Savior. Amen.